this vision of business ownership and entrepreneurship when I see it most often when they're very successful in a corporate career and they built up enough income and enough net worth and enough confidence to say, you know what? I, I could run something on my own. I'm the president of this company or I'm the vice president or I'm the manager and there's not an opportunity to own the business that they're in and, and they're ready. And so they go out and it's their opportunity to go and prove to the world and themselves that they can do it on their own. So they're typically coming over to us kind of laterally, hey, I'll keep my, my job, but I really want to own something. And they don't realize a lot of cases that how difficult it is. Like. Welcome back to the award-winning Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Cavanaugh, joined, as always, by the award-winning himself, co-host, Doug Hubler. Doug. Hey, thanks for saying that. I think what you, we do need to add is the national, national, yeah, you know, award-winning. Yeah, next podcast. next year is going to be worldwide, but this right. year, you know, you start we baby, start slow, start baby steps. Yeah. So, we are back this week with part two of our friend Ben Davis with the Gents Place. Mm-hmm. A couple key takeaways that I want people to uh, really listen for in this one is what makes a good franchisee. Mm-hmm. Right. What makes somebody that you know might not be the best franchisee and franchising is not for everybody and independent business is not for everybody and and i think ben does a really really good job in this of articulating the characteristics that are that would lead to to either way and um, i know there was a part that you really liked that he that he pointed out listen execute add yes that you're probably now gonna be walking around this office all week You're not listening, are you executing, (laughs) are you adding to this firm? I did like that, and it makes a lot of sense. And and I think one of the things that we we get out of this is, and this is a franchisor and and typical what any franchisor is going to be looking at. So that's where we're going to start with, Ben. Um, What what are the characteristics they're looking for in a franchisee? And he's going to jump into that. So, again, we really enjoyed this conversation. We'll be back after the conversation to wrap it up and close out. From your franchisor operator perspective, are you looking more at folks that are not practitioners and more business owner, or what are you looking at as far as the good operators that you have in your system? Yeah, I mean, historically, we're, we're looking for really good business people that will follow a system. And one of my old bosses, who's uh, super successful, now he's a billionaire, took his company public. He taught me something I'll never forget. And I try to teach everybody that I know in franchising this is listen, execute, add. So listen to what we're telling you to do. We've got, we've got 14 years of experience, execute it, and then add, then innovate. But you've got to do it in that order. So it doesn't matter if you're, a hairstylist of 20, 30 years, if you've been running sandwich shops um, or if you've been running an insurance company and you want to diversify your income or have a really fun business to run, we're really just looking for someone. We're sitting across the table from them going through personality assessments and saying, hey, can you can you do this? Can you commit to listen, execute, add? That's our profile. And it sounds really broad. It is. But that's what makes a franchisee work out for us and work out for them. Because if you wanted to start Jimmy's place or Doug's place or Andy's place, well, you should do that. 
but you're signing up for the gents place franchise opportunity. And so our expectation is that you'll listen, execute ad. And um, I'll mention one other thing too, that's really important. There's some people that go in and listen, and then they say, we should do it another way. And we go, Hey, you got to execute. There's other people that don't listen and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I just need to put my hands on it. They execute, but they didn't listen to the, then follow the instructions. And then they want to change it. Then they want to add the most dangerous person in our business is someone that listens really well, executes really well, and then they stop. They're like a robot. They're just like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Because that ad is where the innovation happens. We've changed and iterated so many times in 14 years because a franchisee has come back to us and said, I've been following the system. Ben, you know me, I'm a listen, execute, but I think we can tweak this a little bit. And I go, that's a great idea. We're doing it tomorrow. It, it's a tricky thing with franchisees because we're not looking for the entrepreneur. We're looking for somebody that will just follow the process, but also is willing to and excited to give their feedback and have that potentially be incorporated, but not necessarily incorporated into the business. Yeah, I was I was sharing with you off air. With us, we get a lot of resale opportunities. And one of the things I really wanted to dive into was your perspective as a franchisor on what what are some characteristics where somebody may come in and you're like, you know what, this person is not going to work. Well, it's, uh, I guess, opposite, like bookends on the spectrum. Someone that is highly, highly entrepreneurial that comes in and says, oh my gosh, I have 27 different businesses and I know I could make this one work because I've been doing it the whole time and I've started something from scratch and I can create you know, something out of pixie dust and they're go, 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 go. We worry about that person. I like that person. Those are my buddies. That's me. But I worry about that person doing that listen, execute ad. So we might say, look, you sound like you're a great candidate to start Doug's place. And you can borrow from what we're doing, but it sounds like you want to do things a little bit different and just like Doug would do it. And so we go, you should probably start Doug's place. So we've let some of those folks go. And then on the exact you know, polar opposite end of the spectrum, it's that person that says, just tell me what to do and I'll do everything you say and I'm not going to do anything you don't say. And they're super risk averse and they can't get out of that box. You know, they've been in banking their whole life and it's regulations and this and that. And they don't want to get out of that box. They just want to be told what to do. That person's probably not going to have the ad component that we're really looking for. They're not going to come up with a really great ideas because they're just receiving information. They're not reciprocating. So I'd say those two, we're looking for franchising so tricky because we really are looking for the um, not too hot, not too cold, right? Somewhere right in the middle. Do you do a, like a personality profile with these folks who apply? We do. We run several different personality assessments. We've used various ones um, over time, and we use multiple all at the same time. We try to get a read for you know what their tendencies are to their Myers Briggs to a, a handful of others. We're just trying to get like a 360 view of everything about them to see if we can catch something. And uh, once you've been in business a while, you know we made some mistakes early on and even had to acquire uh, locations back what that experience tells you is, is pattern recognition. You can go, that person looks like, I hate to pick on Doug, you know, that person looks like <laughs> Doug. We probably 
Doug's probably not going to work out. We've seen we've seen a Doug before. What caused you to acquire a location back? People have this vision of business ownership and entrepreneurship when I see it most often when they're very successful in a corporate career and they built up enough income and enough net worth and enough confidence to say, you know what? I, I could run something on my own. I'm the president of this company or I'm the vice president or I'm the manager and there's not an opportunity to own the business that they're in and, and they're ready. And so they go out and it's their opportunity to go and prove to the world and themselves that they can do it on their own. So they're typically coming over to us kind of laterally. Hey, I keep my, my job, but I really want to own something. And they don't realize a lot of cases that how difficult it is. Like this is a full-time gig in many cases, starting your, even if it's a franchise, starting your business from scratch and they still have to do their day job and maybe they get dumped on with their day job. Their day job gets even more successful and busier. And then what happens a lot of times they tend to try to throw some people at their business, their mom, their sister, their girlfriend, their boyfriend, their wife, they're like, Hey, can you go handle this over here? And athletes are notorious for this. Like in the franchising world, you know, franchisors all talking to each other behind closed doors. They are notorious for buying a business, buying into franchise and just kind of throwing some people at it. And so everyone's real leery of some of the athletes and celebrities and people like that, because any business, and you all know, you've bought and sold businesses, help people do that. It, it takes a lot. A lot of times it takes a full-time effort, full-time focus. And so Mm -hmm. some of these locations that we've had to acquire back, it's been a flavor of what I've just described is thinking it's something that it wasn't, or maybe their, their, their full-time business pulling them in a direction that they didn't anticipate going. As part of your qualification process, do you ensure that the person is going to be full-time in the business or what are your requirements of the operator? It's really interesting. Some of our most successful franchisees, actually the the most successful franchisees all have full-time jobs. They all have day jobs. They're all doing other things, but they're very successful because they're really good at following the system. They're really good at asking questions. Hey, how would you guys handle this? How do you think about paying this person? Have you ever had this situation happen? Um, And so I think they're just, they're very diligent asking those questions. And so is it ideal that somebody is doing something else with a significant part of their time? On the whole, probably not because it's hard to to start a business, but if they've got a full-time gig and they've got some discretion in their work, and they're willing to follow the system, I think that we're very open to that candidate. They've proven they're successful. We like that a lot. They're not trying to create Doug's place and do it without us. They are committed to following that process. They're committed to that listen, execute ad. There's also, in terms of like the ideal franchisee, I think there's this person where you can thread a needle a little bit. They're not overly qualified financially. Because if you're overly qualified, it's like, okay, well, who cares? Half a million dollars. If I lose it, I lose it. No big You know, be fun while it lasted. You get excited about the guy that's got a lot of money, but that could be a problem. You don't want someone underqualified financially where one little turn in their business or a few months downturn and they're toast and they can't think straight. 
I like this candidate that is financially qualified, but they need it to work. They need it to, mm -hmm. right? They've got a base. They can, they can live off of it. They can't afford to lose five or $10,000 a month for too long. And so they're going to give the, the business the attention it needs and ensure that it happens. They, they can't, they're not going to have a half million dollar SBA loan floating out there. That doesn't, it's just unacceptable to them to not have, to have to service that business without having, or the loan without having a business. So, you know, again, it is like threading a needle and it's, you know, we talk about this more and more and like, yes, we want the, the double headed unicorn person to, you know, <laughs> the franchise. Yeah. Um, right. But I really love that candidate. I love that person that's financially mm -hmm. qualified, but not overly, and they've got to make it work. That's very, very similar to what we're looking for too. When we're when we're talking to buyers of of any business, is you, they can't they can't come in with looking for their parents to help them. You know, they they need to have their own money, but they also can't come in as you know billionaires looking for a small business because they 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 won't care and they may probably won't even follow through with the deal because it just doesn't mean anything to them mm -hmm. uh, but but you're you're in a really interesting industry because we've sold I would say cosmetology right generally speaking that industry is tough for hiring the right people keeping people and and so the folks that you're talking about the successful owners have had to hire management, and good staff to keep your customers coming in and having that consistency that you talk about. How do you go about helping them find the right staff? It goes to leadership and leadership development. Most of the people in this industry have had no formal leadership education and no formal education period beyond the cosmetology and or barber degree. So what really makes someone successful in this business is an owner willing to develop people, to take them from point A to point B, has the skill set to do it, has the desire to invest, and has this intrinsic value of seeing somebody grow. Uh, and you know, uh, to your point, Andy, on what we're looking for, like we need a person that really loves to see people grow. You know, and we can't really give that to them. It's just they, they just have it or they don't. Uh, so for us, it's taking, and I can't tell you, I mean, we've had, we've had people that have been with us the entire 14-year journey. We've got most of our managers that have been with us seven, eight, nine, 10 years. And they started as 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old, mostly women. They had no business experience. And now they're running million plus dollar businesses, they are running it. You know, these are 30 year old woman with a cosmetology degree that's running a million, million, two, million, five operation. And when I say running it, I mean, I'm not there. I'm not present. I may show up twice a year, but we've got the systems to support and we have the culture of learning and growing and we all learn and grow together. But I think that really it comes from me having a like a very fierce desire to grow people. And that's what this industry needs because we are we are finishing growing our people professionally and sometimes personally. Yeah, it would seem that your ideal owner would not necessarily be a practitioner as well, because if they're a practitioner, what are they going to do? It's going to go 
against everything you've talked about, right? They're going to want to jump behind that chair and they're going to want to jump to to doing. Is that a is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. You know, we have a candidate that's coming through right now who's a practitioner by trade, but has had some growth in her life and uh, haven't met her yet in person, going through the process, but I'll meet her in a, in a few weeks. Sounds like she's had some growth, doesn't want to perform behind the chair necessarily, but can relate to all of those team members that are doing, you know, she's, she's done what we're asking them to do. And so there is value at the manager level and at the owner level to say, I've done that. So when the, the staff might push back and go, well, how can I do a haircut in 35 minutes? You don't understand. You go, actually, I do. I've, I've done it before. Let me show you how. So at least at the manager level, it's important to have that licensed cosmetologist and barber in most cases. At the ownership level, we haven't experienced it yet, having a licensed person. But if they've grown a lot, they have some business savvy or their business partner has the business savvy. That's a dynamic duo to have ownership, a pair that says, I've cut hair before, and this side says I've run a business and can uh, add value in both of those areas. So we, we talk about the second generation entrepreneurs who we get, not the person that started the business and built it to where it's at, but the person that comes in at a certain point and then takes that either specific site or that business to a second level. You know, I didn't know if you guys had experienced that and if you had noticed any characteristics that were different between people coming into the system, say, you know, seven, eight, 10 years into its journey, or, hey, everybody we've dealt with is uh, they're building out new location. Yeah, it has all been de novo. The, uh, the only locations that have changed hands uh, from an ownership standpoint, we've uh, handled internally. So as you probably know, and most franchisors have that right of first refusal to buy the business before someone else does. And then they also have the uh, right to approve a transfer to another owner. So we have had transfers happen. It's all happened internally. Uh, but I do think in the future, there's going to be some that have built a really great business. We have some successful franchisees that may put it out on the market, see, see what they get. And then we have to make a decision if they have a bona fide offer to, to approve that transfer or, or to purchase it ourselves. Uh, so I, I do see that in our future. We just haven't had any happen yet. The business has already been, been built up and they're doing a million and a half a year or something like that. Would your criteria change a little bit? You guys are the experts in that. You know, I haven't gone through it. I would think where, where I sit right now, I don't see a big difference because if you don't do what you're, if you don't do now what you were doing before to make the business successful, it can atrophy away. And so I see someone, you know, taking the baton and doing the same and maybe investing more time um, and, and opening more locations. That's something we would look for in a new transfer franchisee as someone that's looking to grow, um, especially if they're buying a successful business. I don't see a big difference right now, no. Doug. But, you know, may, maybe they're uh, maybe when we get down that path that we, we see something a little bit differently. Yeah, I think where we tend to see the difference, it's not in the operations, it's not in the the characteristics, where we kind of see the differences. Most franchises have that financial requirement of you've got to be able to have a liquid cash flow of this, you have to have a net worth of this. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have ran into some issues where franchisors have wanted people to be liquid after the sale or net worth after the sale. So we had one a few years ago where, what was it, Doug? The business was selling for like 700 grand and they wanted the person to have like- A million two, dollar net worth. Yeah, or something like that. And it's like, yeah. oh, 
sure. Yeah, if they were that net worth, it goes back to your point, right? Where they don't need this business. They're going to be looking for something. Yeah, they're going to be looking for something totally. bigger. So. Well, I just wanted to uh, bring up one last thing about your franchise because I'm uh, pretty impressed with your the haircuts for a homeless. Um, you have some, you know, some an area that you give back that's really important. So I'd like you to kind of speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Doug. And serving a community is is of utmost importance to us. Um, we are in business to add value and every single person's life that we touch and, and in our communities. And so we started a nonprofit called Operation Gentleman several years ago. It's a 501c3 nonprofit. And we started with a suit drive where every September we collect suits and business attire from all over the country. And then we bring that down to Fort Hood, which is the largest military installation in the United States. It's in Colleen, Texas. And we bring those suits and business attire to the soldier recovery unit for veterans that are transitioning from military life into civilian life with all sorts of issues from PTSD to amputated limbs and, and everywhere in between to get them back into uh, civilian life working and, um, and being productive and being happy. And so we, we do that shopping event every year right around uh, Veterans Day, collect all the suits in September and, and uh, have that event in November. And then we took it to another level where we said, man, we really like serving veterans. And so we attached a offer to our annual membership. So we're a membership-based business. Most of our gentlemen are on membership. And every annual membership feeds a homeless veteran. And so we've done about 35,000 meals to homeless veterans uh, to date in that program. And then third, uh, that we started operating uh, about five years ago was a haircuts for homeless event. So kind of got enamored with the, you know, the homeless population in Dallas on how people, how could we have multi-million dollar houses, some of the wealthiest people in the world living here and, you know, see folks on the street struggling. And so my wife and uh, my whole family and several others operate every second Sunday of the month, like clockwork over the last five years, uh, an event that provides haircuts, but most importantly, dignity back to these people that are trying to go out and get jobs and find housing. As you know, like going into an interview, if your hair's all matted and you don't look and feel your best, you're very unlikely to get a job. Right. And so we're giving that dignity back and making people feel good about themselves. And we've performed several thousand haircuts uh, to date for the homeless. So Operation Gentleman has expanded over the years, but it's something that's mission critical for us and um, something we're really proud of. Well, that just uh, gave me goosebumps. Thanks for yeah. thanks for sharing that story. That's great. My yeah, pleasure. Ben, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, tell people where they can find you if they have an interest in, um, in learning more about your company, perhaps being a franchisee. What's what's the best place for people to get in, in contact with you? Yeah, thank you for that. So two places, thegentsplace.com is our consumer site. So if you're looking for a haircut, that's the best place to go. And then TGP, short for The Gents Place. So tgpfranchising.com has all of our franchise opportunities. You'll see Emmett Smith on there. Emmett Smith is a business partner along with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. And so you'll see Emmett on there and all kinds of information about the, the franchising uh, opportunity that uh, people have in front of them. Well, appreciate you coming on the show, Ben. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ben. Thank you guys very much. Okay. Awesome. Right, have Take a good care. Day. 
Once again, thank you, Ben Davis, for coming on and sharing your philosophy, your background, your story, and the history of the Gents Place. Again, I know Ben just said it, but we're going to send you to their customer-facing website of thegentsplace.com. If you are looking more on the business side of uh, tgpfranchise.com is the place that you need to go. Any final thoughts, anything that uh, really stood out to you? No, I, I just really enjoyed listening to him and understanding from from our position, a, a brokerage position, what they're looking for. Because we do have people looking to resell franchises or people that we look and say, you know what, I think a franchise is probably the way to go for you. Uh, you need that back support, I suppose. And so I think that was good for us to hear. Well, if a buyer or seller is looking for support, the place they need to go is right here. Apex Business Advisors. Go check out our website. That's kcapex.com. As always, you can find our podcast, our blogs, how to get in touch with the team members, tons of stories, and of course, our current business listings that we have for sale. And you know, Doug, I actually got in trouble with some of our key listeners that they got upset with my closing. So we're going back to it. If you are looking at buying or selling a business, we got you, fam. We got you, fam.